people try to shop for a business the way they shop for other things. And it's a very passive process. If you want it to work, you need to treat it like work, do it efficiently, try to come up with criteria and really make it a, a serious process. Buying and selling businesses just got a lot easier. Welcome to the Web Equity Show, where thousands of successful entrepreneurs go to learn about buying, growing, and selling online businesses. Your hosts, Justin Cook and Ace Chapman, share their real-life advice, examples, and expert interviews to help you build and grow your own online portfolio. Now to your hosts, Justin and Ace. In today's episode, we're talking about where to find high-quality deals. And for anyone in the industry of the buying and selling websites and online business space, sourcing deals is absolutely the number one priority. One of the things I focus with, or focus on with my clients is having a massive amount of deal flow and getting access to those hard-to-find deals is what can give a buyer a huge competitive advantage over everyone else. And, you know, you're not going to close on every deal that comes across your table. So if you have more and more deals coming across your table, you just have more opportunities and you're going to be able to pick the ones that are, you know, number one, the right fit for you, but number two, amazing opportunities. And so, you know, I think when it comes to finding these deals, creativity can be key, right? How can you make a deal happen when there doesn't seem to be one there? And that's, that's one of the reasons I love doing the show with you is because I know that you're one of those guys that can find those deals, right? They can pull it out and make it happen. And I think if you're creative both in structuring but also in where you're looking, there's huge opportunities to be had. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this show today. Yeah, one of the basic things that just at a gut level we realize is, you know, when you're looking at listings and it's obvious that it's an amazing deal, guess what? It's going to be an obvious, amazing deal to a lot of other people. So if you can get in and find those things about a deal that other people may miss, that can create great opportunities. So today we're going to be covering some of the advantages as well as the disadvantages to all these different places that you can go to look for high quality deals. Yeah, buddy. Before we do that, let's do some listener shouts. First thing I want to mention, if you're digging the show, you're liking listening to us and what we have to say, please check us out and do give us a review over on iTunes. It'll really help us get more listeners and really help the show and promote it and give people that are interested in this more of an opportunity to learn and, and find out about it. Also, if you want to leave a question on our site over at webequityshow.com, we'll answer any of the comments or questions you have on the show. You can also leave a short recording, and then we can actually put that recording on the air and get you on the show and, and get your questions answered. We really appreciate it. All right, buddy, we got a call on questions this week. It's from Rehanal. I'm totally donking up this name. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's <laughs> Rehanal or Rahanal, I think. And he had a question. He was kind of interested in, in working with us. And he had a question about like how would he go about becoming a website broker? And I've had this question from other people too, and I normally just send them to you. I'm like, yeah, go talk to Ace, man, because that's—I mean—that's kind of how you got started. You—you you had a mentor that kind of guided you, and—and and I thought that was <laughs> that's a pretty good place to send him. But to answer the question, I think if you get involved in a deal, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, you're going to have a better opportunity to become a broker ultimately. But the best way to do it is to be a practitioner first, right? You can't just start off and say, hey, I'll help you sell your site or, hey, I'll help you buy sites if, if you have no experience doing anything. One of the better ways to do that is just get started yourself. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of people think, OK, I'm going to be a broker. It's a profession. 
But, you know, just think about it for yourself. Would you want to work with a broker who didn't have a history of doing deals? And so one is just you bring that to the table with your experience and knowledge in the space that's not just something you read about. But in addition to that, you're just going to be you're going to be able to execute as well. So it's not just about the perception. It is about the reality of doing deals before you become a broker and having a, a track record, not just of, of maybe buying a single business, but of buying a few businesses as well as selling them as the actual principal and operator and owner uh, gives you the track record to be able to go out and, and say, yes, I can represent you and, and help you sell or buy a business. Yeah, I think from both of us, like if you want to get involved in the brokering, uh, you know, buying and selling of websites, the best place to do that is just get started on your own, do some buying and selling yourself. And then I think the brokering opportunities will naturally pop up as you're you know, more and more involved in the industry. All right, man, let's jump into this week's episode. When it comes to buying and selling websites and online businesses, sourcing deals is the critical component. And that might be a bit surprising to some of our listeners. You, know, you might think that it's you know finding the buyers and the people to buy the websites and businesses that's difficult, but it's not. It's actually finding the right deals and websites that people are looking to list. Absolutely. And that's something that's shifted over the years as demand has increased. Four or five years ago, that wasn't the case. And now it absolutely is the case. There's a lot of people that want these deals and not a lot, a ton of deals out there. So finding the right deal is key. And another part of that is making sure that you're looking in the right place based on your goal and objectives. So we get different kinds of buyers. There are people that are buying for strategic reasons. There are people that are trying to build a portfolio, others that want to flip or replace income. And based on what your, your goal is, you want to make sure that you're looking in the right place. That's right. It really matters on your objectives, on where you're going to look. Uh, you also have to understand that there are advantages and disadvantages no matter where you go. Right. And so we're going to actually dig into some of those advantages and disadvantages, all the different places you can look today. And we're going to give a few examples on each of them as well. And the really exciting thing as a buyer in this space is that no matter what you're looking for, if you can figure out what your strengths are and really hone in on your objectives, Sometimes you can get a deal that everybody else thinks is a horrible deal that can be an amazing deal for you. And, you know, as the old saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So if you can focus on, on leveraging that, you can get some amazing opportunities. Yeah, that's a funny thing to me, Ace, is that, you know, we'll have one that, you know, I get one buyer comes along and says, oh, that site's a stinker. And then we have someone else that comes along and goes, oh, my God, I'm so glad you have this. It fits me so perfectly, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, they think it's a steal and the other one thinks it's a you know, pile of crap. So that's that's really funny in this industry is that, you know, what's right for you may be different than the next person. So there is no when we talk about like the best sites or whatever, that's that's pretty subjective. It's going to be dependent on you yeah. and, and so will the place that you go to look. But anyway, we've got a bunch of examples. So we're just going to jump right in. The first place to look when you're looking to buy a website or acquire a, a business is to look at your competitors. One of the great things about looking at your competitors is, well, first off, it could be an aqua hire. Maybe they have a team and process in place that you'd like to bring into your organization that you think you could help turn around or you could would help really help you grow. You're also buying up their customer list. So they've got a bunch of other customers that would probably be interested in your product as well. 
and you're automatically bringing them in. You can improve the lifetime value of their customers because they're now yours and your customers because you can now offer your products to them. An example of this might be a cat furniture company. Let's say that I own you know, a cat furniture company and I find a competitor that's looking to sell or to get out of the market. That uh, cat furniture company I'm looking to acquire is worth far more to me than just your average portfolio investor. Absolutely. One of the things that I will kind of mention is when we're looking at a deal, what, one aspect of that strategic buy is being able to buy something that's complimentary. The other thing is making sure it's just complimentary to you. We spend a, a lot of time clients walking through a personality test and a skill set test because in addition to it just being complimentary to your business, it can be per- complimentary to just who you are as a, as a person. But yeah, that's so true. Yeah. The, the other thing too, I think it's important is to find these deals, you're going to have to stay connected to some of the you know, competitors in your industry, right? So you're, you're going to need to know kind of where they're at, if they're thinking about selling. This can be a little difficult though, because, you know, in a lot of industries, especially if it's very competitive, you know, they may not talk so much. So if there are any kind of industry standards or groups or whatever, or if you can get into some kind of mastermind or, or find a way to work with your competition so that you can kind of hear what's going on and know what's going on in their business. That's helpful. Another reason to stay connected to your competitors is you may want to exit yourself someday. And if you're connected to your competitors, they could be a larger company than you, or at least have, you know, uh, opportunity uh, and access to capital uh, that would allow them to purchase you. So, you know, that leaves the door open both ways, right? I think when you look at competitors, though, there are some advantages and disadvantages. I'd say some of the advantages would be that strategic buys can be extremely valuable. And because, you know, if you're looking to make that acquisition, it's so much more valuable to you than a portfolio buyer that you're going to be able to outbid that portfolio investor, right? Maybe they're willing to go to 2x or 3x, you know, the annual net profit of the business, where to you, clearly it's worth 4x or 5x. So you're going to be able to outbid them. You're going to be able to win those deals. Um it also means that there's not a lot of additional effort or output. Like you're not constantly shopping, you know, for this side or that side and like always out there looking. All you have to do is stay connected, uh, you know, m- maintain or grow relationships with your competitors. And if you've got your ear to the ground on this, you're going to hear about these opportunities. Some of the disadvantages, these deals are rare, right? So you're not always seeing strategic deals coming across your desk. Oh, I can acquire this company in my space. Oh, here's another company I can acquire in my space. No, no, no. That just doesn't regularly happen. The other thing is, is that competitors might not be so interested in sharing details about their business, right, Ace? I mean, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. I'm looking to buy up my competitor, they don't know whether I'm looking to, to actually buy them or if I'm just looking for competitive information and metrics about their business. Absolutely. You know, I've done a lot of this offline. And when you're dealing with in the offline world, people are really, really conscious of sharing their information because in a lot of cases, everything that's in their business and and the financials and all of that is tied into their personal finances. So when they give you their tax returns, it's not really a separate thing or a separate entity. So it gets really touchy, especially when you're dealing with a competitor that you know and they know your personal finances now. So that becomes a, a tough hurdle to get over. But I've, I've done it in several industries from spas to retail where we've gone out and taken over other competitors. And the thing to remember that, you know, while these deals are rare, one thing we know is that there's an end game for every business. And there are only two options. Either they're going to go out of business or they're going to sell. 
And so the more that you're networking and letting people know, hey, I buy businesses, I'd love to buy your business, we, we want to buy all our competitors, just give us a call, then you're going to be the first person that they go to because at least they don't have to go to the market and have their information and all that stuff released to everybody. So it isn't a huge opportunity. I want to make sure that people don't just totally disregard it because of those disadvantages. Yeah, the worst thing to do is there's your competitors looking to sell their business they don't know that you're at all interested in buying and so they compl- they're not going to reach out to you directly they may but it's pretty rare they're probably going to take it to a mm-hmm. broker they're going to try to sell it on their own and they they might be missing a huge opportunity because that business is worth so much to you and at that point they're out anyway right they're willing to get out of the business so they're looking to, to hand it off they want to sell it and unless you have some like really bad blood they're probably okay selling it to you do you, do you ever watch the show uh, Silicon Valley oh yes that's Great. <laughs> there's a great there's a great bit in that recently in season two where you know they go to one of the the venture capital firms and they're starting to get, get into all about their business and they're starting to lay out the details and the guys are asking all kinds of questions and the tech guys are all fired up they're like oh great man normally the VCs don't ask these kind of questions I get to dig into the code and like talk about exactly how it works and they're all taking notes like studious notes and they're like oh this is fantastic turns around yeah they were stealing their company so that's that's one of the reasons I think people get Nervous. I, I think with, I'd say, startup companies where there's a lot of programming, it's like really competitive, you know, that probably makes a bit more sense. You know, again, using the example of a cat furniture company, I mean, it's 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 probably not that big of a deal. Your competitor will either buy you or they won't, but it's worth, you know, opening the door and asking the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just the easiest way to grow. When you look at being able to go out and buy a competitor and instantly add to your bottom line, leverage some of the things you're already doing. And that's just a a powerful way. And like you said, you can afford to pay what they want in a lot of cases and not have to do a ton of negotiation. Another way to do this whole roll up strategy is to not go after your competitors, but look at parallel industries or complementary businesses. And we actually just did a deal with a couple of clients that, that I invested in that we did with you guys. We bought from Empire Flippers. So one of those deals was bought from you guys and another one was bought from FEI. And combined, they really complement each other. And so an example of this is you already own an e-commerce business that sells dresses and it's built a, a database of females that have bought the dresses and love them and have has a great relationship. You go out into the market and you find another business that has a bikini e-commerce element. So they've built a list of customers and, and people love buying the bikinis. And so being able to buy both of those businesses and cross-promote is a huge, huge opportunity. And and we've seen it time and time again. You know, we just closed that deal about a month ago with these two businesses, and we're already starting to see some absolutely outrageous results. And that was definitely a case where we did no negotiation. You know, it's like, okay, here's the prize we're getting. And, you know, literally we're on track to double the size of both of those businesses. You mentioned cross-promotion, and that's something you can definitely do after you buy the business. I think that's where you really get the value. One of the ways you can test through whether this is at all going to be interesting, you can kind of like dabble your toes in the water, is by doing some cross-promotion beforehand. Before you've either bought them or they've bought you, you can actually do some cross-promotion and make sure that those audiences are aligned. And then that'll give you a really good idea on the strategic 
valuation for you, right? How much is worth to you and your company? Exactly. And that's where the key is. You know, like we talked about at the beginning of, of this episode, the way the market is right now, there are a lot of buyers competing for deals. So if you can figure out a way that that deal is more valuable to you, that becomes your kind of angle to be able to close that deal and, and get something that you are going to be able to make more valuable. So it's not just saying, oh, go out and buy anything at any price. You want to make sure that you you know what the value is going to be on the back end. But you have some value that's kind of baked in beyond that portfolio buyer. So that's one of the advantages to doing these kinds of deals and taking that angle. Another advantage, though, is at the end of the day, those folks are a lot more likely to be willing to share information with you, to connect with you, even test some things. So if it's something that's not necessarily on the market, you might even approach them with some kind of joint venture opportunity and then mention it on the back end, hey, I'd love to buy your business at some point. But unlike your direct competitor, that person is going to be a lot more willing to connect with you and do some kind of deal or, or build that relationship long term so that when they are ready to sell, you're the person that they come to. Yeah, that makes sense because a direct competitor might be a little sketchy to give you the information or share details, but someone in a parallel industry, it's not that big of a deal. And in fact, if you're just approaching them as a joint venture, you know, you both stand to gain from that. And then you can have the conversations of buying them out or potentially them buying you out at a later date. So let's talk about some of the disadvantages. I, you know, one of the disadvantages for these is that you do have to think creatively. It's not as obvious as a direct competitor. So you really have to be looking at the whole market and you have to be thinking about, OK, what are all the angles that I can use to leverage this? And sometimes it's not going to jump right off the page at you and you can look back at deals or miss deals and realize, oh, no, you know, I've had clients that come to me like, I should have jumped on this. Why didn't I jump on this? And so you've got to get used to when you see that kind of opportunity, immediately jumping on it. And the other side is uh, other disadvantage is just it's not that common. So you do have to look at a ton of deals to find those opportunities where the two businesses might be able to complement each other. But the great thing is, like I said, it, once you find that deal, the value to you is so much higher than it is to that portfolio buyer or, or standard flipper that you're going to be able to outbid them and still make that a very, very profitable deal. Yeah, what I like about this is that you're right that parallel industry is finding these deals. They're not going to just you know come across your desk every day either. But they're much more common, I think, than just trying to find the direct competitors, right? Because if you're creative, as you mentioned, you're going to find more parallel industries. And if you're thinking about your target customer, that avatar, and you start thinking about what else they're purchasing, what else they're interested in, you can find very aligned industries to partially aligned industries that may still make sense. So you can go a little further out than you can with just a direct competitor, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right, man. So our third point I want to talk about a little bit in terms of finding deals would be the funnel, right? And this is effectively like a processed search effort. This is something that Joe and I are trying out right now because, you know, we understand the value of sourcing these deals and finding sellers. And it's really important to our business and, and so that we can grow. So one of the things we're doing right now is we're setting up a process where we can have a virtual assistant search for specific keywords and then look through the organic search results for sites that meet very specific criteria. They have to have X amount of pages on their site. 
They have to be, you know, between this and this Alexa rank. They have to have these metrics in SEM Rush. And so we can start to look at very specific metrics to see if we think that site is in the range of sites that we want to sell. So, and then what they do is they do a cold email. They will find out their email address, send them a pre-templated email, and then any responses will then be leveled up to the next team member, right? Someone that actually can talk to them and, you know, talk to them about selling on our marketplace or, or you know, potentially just selling us to us directly. We actually did this one time. Uh, Joe was looking for a site that we could purchase and contacted them with his email. I mean, the guy just, you know, looked up Empire Flippers was like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to take the offer you're trying to offer me. I'm just going to sell on your marketplace. So it wasn't bad <laughs> for us. Like, we still got the deal, but we really wanted to buy it for cheaper. So that wasn't so helpful. But at least, you know, we still were able to get the deal done. I think as a buyer, there is some potential here. I mean, one of the advantages is that it's scalable, right? So maybe I, we were going to start off with, you know, us doing it a, a bit, making sure the process works, and then handing it on to VAs. But I can get three, 10, 20 VAs on this if I wanted to and have them just yeah. scale up or scale down our deal flow, which is fantastic. I and mean, that's what you're always looking for is a dial you can turn. Right. And that's why people love, you know, paid Facebook traffic or AdWords traffic, because it's simply a dial. They turn it up, turn it down when they want more traffic, they want more customers or whatever. When we want more deals. We can just turn up the dial. Another advantage is that we can target the exact niches we want. So if we're looking for people that sell office desks, right, we can look for office desks. If we want people that sell ceiling fans. We can look for ceiling fans. So in terms of like finding direct competitors or parallel industries or things that we know are interesting, we can target those exact keywords and find sites that sell that exactly. There are some disadvantages to this, though. There's a lot of back and forth that comes when you're trying to convince someone to sell their site, especially when it comes to a reasonable price. And you know this, Ace. I know you've been through this, too. But, you know, it's their baby, right? It's their baby. They put blood, sweat, and tears into it. They spent X amount of dollars getting the programming right or the design right. And there is absolutely no way they want to let it go for what it's worth. And so... You come in and you have to be the bearer of bad news, right? The bad news being here's what your site's actually worth. Here's a real offer. I don't care what your you know, sister's brother's mother told you your site's worth. This is what it's worth. It's not good when you're trying to negotiate and you've got to be that bad news bearer, right? Yeah, it is. It's really tough. And, and some brokers will take the kind of position of, all right, we'll just put it at the, on the market for whatever you want and, and not be that bear of bad news. But the bad news is going to come at some point once it hits the market or before it hits the market. So it's better to go ahead and prepare them so that you can actually get a, get a deal done and not, not waste the seller's time. Yeah. There's also an opportunity to come across as sleazy here. And we've seen this from other people in the space where they're emailing saying, hey, you know, we want to buy your site, blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, then they're like, then they back out. Okay, maybe we want to. Here's what we have. Maybe we can list it for you. So basically, they're just trying to acquire the site for their brokerage or to, to list on their you know, mm -hmm. brokerage site. It's a sliding slope to sleaze on this, I think. That's a lot of alliteration, yeah. but you get what I'm saying? The, the other yeah. thing is, is that there are a lot of moving parts, right? So you, you now have virtual assistants and they've got a process they have to follow. And then, you know, they're finding the right sites. You have to give them that process. They're finding the right sites and then they're passing it up. And then someone has to do some back and forth with them. And then, you know, finally it gets to the point where you have a potential to, to buy this site. So there are a lot of things that can go wrong. And whenever you involve people and process and you, you have more of that, it's good for business. But, you know, it's just a, an additional layer of complexity.
It is, it is. And, and there's really no way around that complexity. You're dealing with something that is a major asset for that person. So it's, there is no way around just kind of personally touching them. And I know for a lot of people on the internet, that can be frustrating because you'd want to systemize the whole process and you want to make it scalable. But the, the neat thing is, Compared to creating offline deal flow, this really is a breeze. I mean, and when you're dealing with offline businesses, they kind of expect you not only to do a call or email, but they want to come, want you to come in. They obviously want you to see the business. They want to sit down with you. So when it comes to scalability, I think some appreciation has to be had for the fact that at least you can do all of this virtually. You can be anywhere in the world, jump on the phone with that, that seller and, and give them the confidence that you're the person to buy their business. Ace, what have you done? Because you sit down with, with some of your customers just in person. So have you ever had a situation where you're going to sit down and talk to them about valuation and what you're willing to offer and they're just mortified by what you offer? They're like, they, they get angry or really frustrated in person? That would be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell a, a quick story. One that just popped into my head. I mean, obviously, we've had people that are just disappointed or they decide not to sell or whatever. But I remember I was buying a uh, offline deal and I wanted to give the guy the offer. He decided that he wanted me to come to his house for dinner and we would discuss it then. He didn't want to talk about it over the phone. He wanted to talk about it in person. So I go over there with the guy who was my partner in the deal and we're, we're talking about it. He's like, so we kind of get in the middle of dinner. And he's like, all right, so what are you thinking about the offer? And I tell him my number. And he kind of just sits there silent. He doesn't say anything. I don't say anything. <laughs> Time goes by. I notice that his face is getting redder and redder. And then all of a sudden, he just bursts into a flood of profanities and tells me to get out of his house. Now, the neat thing about that deal was that he did end up sending his wife back to me about a month later. And we actually end up buying that business anyways. At a lower price than that, that original one, because uh, the offline world is a little different than, than the way it works online. Not as much demand. So we ended up getting that deal closed. But yes, that was absolutely uncomfortable. I get into the car, my partner's like, oh, man, there's no, no way we're getting that deal. I'm like, oh, let's give him some time. We'll see. Oh, God, that's <laughs> uncomfortable all the way around, man. That's outrageous. Because like, you're in his house, and like, if it's just a completely non-starter for him, it's like, now he's stuck. He's got these guys in his house. I can't believe he blew up on you, though, man. How uncomfortable. It's funny, funny you got that deal done, though. Yeah, it was. It was. So let's talk about one of the easier ways to get deals. A little less work. But, you know, it has its advantages and, and disadvantages as well. And that's going out to website business brokers. Now we've, we're seeing more business brokers come to the market. And there's a, there are different types of brokers that do different things, offer different types of deals. And, you, you know, you have me that I really work on the buy side. One of the neat things that's fairly new to the market is Flippa's deal flow. And they're getting a lot better deals. I mean, I've been when they first started, it was it was uh, kind of just Flippa 2.0. But now you can see a stark contrast between Flippa and Flippa Deal Flow, which is uh, uh, just a, a lot higher quality deal, a lot higher touch. You and I, Justin, got to spend some time with Jamie, who's kind of running that aspect of Flippa in Vegas, and you know, really great guy. And have you done any deals on on Deal Flow or, or been keeping an eye on that? Yeah, we haven't. I've looked there, though, and I've seen a few that I thought were kind of interesting. So we're definitely keeping our eye on it. We reached out to Flippa to make sure that they didn't really have any issues doing business with us to make sure that was cool. And 
and they were fine with it. And so, yeah, I think we will end up doing uh, some business over there. I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Flippa. Like, it's just so hard to find anything good, like the, the average marketplace. But deal flow is okay, and they get some deals on there that are doable for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just not a fan of Flip. I work with clients all the time that want to look at these Flipper deals and just 99.9% of the time we get into the deal and we fin- end up finding an issue. And so it's, it just becomes a thing where it's like, okay, let's look at your, your time. Your time is valuable. And the more time you're spending doing due diligence on a non-starter, it's, a, it's opportunity cost of time you could have been spending on something that was a, a, a real deal. You know why I think it's is because Flippa is cheap, right? So they have like much more inexpensive sites, sites you could buy for a thousand bucks. So someone looking to kind of test it out, they're like, look, I can buy a website for a thousand or two thousand dollars. It's really cheap. And the problem is, you know, brokers won't take a thousand or two thousand dollar site because it's just not worth their time. Like they have to do vetting. They have to make sure the site's legitimate. And Flippa doesn't do that, right? And they couldn't do it on a thousand or two thousand dollar site either. It wouldn't be worth their time. So you're more likely to have crappier sites at the bottom end of the market. And I think that's, you know, it's easy. I understand why buyers are, are doing that. They're like, I just want to test the waters. But I think you have to actually, you know, go above the weeds to actually get anything good, right? Like that's that's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about those uh, those crazy guys over at Empire Flippers. As, as you know, I'm a big fan of, of Empire Flippers. We've done plenty of deals with you guys. And as you get into any of the brokers like uh, Empire, Quiet Light, the thing there that they are doing is a lot of that front-end work. Now, they're not doing all of the front-end work. You still got to go in and do some due diligence and spend some time and make sure that the deal is the right deal for you. But you're not spending time waiting through the weeds or the trash or the crap, however you want to put it, that you would going out and trying to look at deals on your own. So, you know, there's a little bit of a, a difference in the market. I, I know you guys, Justin at Empire, trying to grow and, and maybe even do some larger deals. But as of right now, I think the market sees you guys as the smaller deals and, and there are a lot of really great opportunities. Quiet Light has really built a brand and, and you know, just kind of doing deals with them over the, uh, since they, they started and, and came into business. It's been interesting to see them build their brand as that kind of million dollar, multi-million dollar place to do deals. And, and we've done a couple of the larger deals with them, great people to deal with. And, and that's really, yeah. Go I said Quiet Light is kind of the, you know, they're the market leader, especially when you get into the seven, eight figure range. I mean, they're the ones that are getting done. You get above that and you're looking at bigger companies looking at private equity or whatever. And then I think that we're great in the five and six figure range, right? So for kind of those middle sized yeah. deals, uh, that's the market role we're looking to fill. And I think that fills a gap between, you know, uh, straight up Flippa and Quiet Light, the market leader on the broker side. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages to working with a broker. Uh, one of the advantages is, like I mentioned, you've got a little bit of higher quality deal flow. You've got some sites that have been somewhat vetted. And, and I'm quick to remind people that this is not complete due diligence. You know, it's not that the broker is telling you that this is a guaranteed deal. But they've done a little bit of that initial filtering just to make sure that the basic things are there. It's not a complete and utter, utter scam and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it can really help out there, especially in the only way that that works, because this isn't the case with every broker. 
There are some brokers out there that are openly buyer beware. There's some that are, aren't as openly buyer beware as we know, but there's some that just say, hey, we're going to list everything. It's up to you to do your own due diligence. If somebody comes to us and they want to list the deal, they're going to tell us how much they say it's making. We're going to put it on our site. And if you want to buy that, then that's up to you. And it's the same in the offline world. You have some people that say, hey, I'm really going to curate the deals that I'm willing to list. You have other people that just say, hey, I'm not I'm not here to hold your hand. I'm not here to be your babysitter. You need to do your own work. I will list anything. So you need to understand what kind of broker you're dealing with. What, look at the quality of all of their deals and then decide, okay, based on that, is this a broker that I, I want to do a deal with? Ace, what are your thoughts on that? I know that uh, some of the brokers, Quiet Light, us, Effie, like we all you know, put it through somewhat of a vetting process and we're very clear about it. Look, due diligence is on the buyer. It's always their responsibility. But you know, when you're a broker, you're dealing with both sides of the market. So you got to be cool on both sides, right? But it's interesting to me that there are brokers out there that just don't care. They don't do any vetting. They don't care. They don't care if it's a scam or it's an amazing deal. They don't care what the price is. They say, we'll list it and put it out there and see if someone buys it. And I, I don't hate that approach. I mean, if they're representing the seller, can't they do whatever they want and do what the seller wants? What are your problems with that? Is it just, is it harder to dig through the sites to find the ones you want? Is that kind of the issue? Yeah, I think you end up with more of a flipper situation. So it's not to say that Flippa is a scam. They're not doing anything wrong. But you need to understand when you're dealing with Flippa what what you're dealing with. And and the real downside, and and I guess I don't even really want to say problem, but if I had a problem, my problem with it would be uh, letting the client know where you stand. Mm. So the, the real issue is somebody goes to Quiet Light or you know some of the, the, the guys out there that do a good job like FBI or, or digital exits and, and that kind of thing. So they go to these guys and then they go to one of the brokers that will just take anything and it's like, hey, it's your job. And they think that both of those are the same. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely some of those brokers that are getting deals done based on the fact that people think that they're doing some kind of vetting. Yeah. And uh, we get calls all the time, unfortunately, from people who go out on their own, they buy a deal from one of those brokers and, and it, it turns to crap and, and they don't understand what happened. So your point is just be clear, right? Just be clear on what where you stand in the market, what your position is, and then everyone can make decisions based on that. Exactly. So that's the one of the advantages. One of the other quick advantages is you do get some concise information. <laughs> Both of us have dealt directly with, with sellers, and it can be a nightmare. It can be an absolute nightmare trying to get clear information from a seller. And yeah. it's all peace-filled, and you're asking for, you know, you send them a list of things, they send you one thing, and then they send a question about another thing, and then they send you another. And so it's, it's just organizing all of the information clearly and giving it to you, there is a lot of value there. Like I mentioned, when you're going through this process as a deal maker or a business buyer, your your most valuable asset is your time. Anytime you're spending time just trying to gather information, it's time that you're missing out on filtering deals and trying to find the right deal for you. So this is a is a huge time saver. So that's a that's a huge advantage. 
it gets weird when you you know start asking sellers for information over and over and over again. It keeps coming in like in the wrong format or it's not coming in correctly. It's like like when you ask for you know you meet someone for the first time, guy or girl or whatever, and you ask their name and they kind of mumble it, and you ask again and they kind of mumble it off to the side, and you're like, I mean, at some point I just kind of pretend I know their name. It's like okay, yeah, sure, whatever, right? It's like okay, we're trying to move on, but we can't do that as brokers. Like we actually need the information, so it gets really awkward when you go back and you're asking like four or five times for the stuff, and they're like, "Why are you asking me so many times? Like, why why can't you just deliver it in this format?" Exactly. And Justin, I used to be hard on, on sellers, but I have actually chosen to work with some some brokers over the years and been on the other side of that just because I didn't want to broker the deal myself. wanted to, you know, like I said, save time. And as you guys know, you guys have sold a deal for me. And it's like, hey, Ace, we need it in this format. Then I'm like, dude, just take this. <laughs> Because you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to do all the work. So you're like, ah, oh, I know, I know, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the disadvantages. You know, one of the disadvantages is the whole polished turd problem. And what that basically means is you've you've got a deal. It actually is a bad deal, but because you get it in this beautiful prospectus, because all the information is in an organized fashion, and it seems like it makes sense, you end up buying that business because it is packaged the right way. And and like I said, that's one of the issues that uh, I have with some of the, the brokers that don't curate. But it, it can be any broker. I mean, just because everything looks great doesn't mean you don't need to do your own due diligence and kind of go in as buyer beware. So you can get into a deal because it looks great, but you open up the box and there's a surprise little turd in there. <laughs> the other thing is that you can't target the niche industries as easily. So we talked about some of those amazing strategies of going out and buying a competitor or going out and finding a parallel business that complements the business that you, you already own or that you want to buy. And so those kind of opportunities are tougher to find when you're looking at the market and you're limited by what's on the market and only kind of looking at those deals. So that those strategies can be a little bit tougher to pull off when you're working with a broker. Yeah, I've, we've had people that ask us like, hey, can you let me know when you get a laptop bag or accessories e-commerce site for sale, and I'm thinking, well, you can be waiting around for years, buddy. I don't, I have no idea. We get one next week. We get one five years. I have no idea. Like it's a real gamble. So if you're looking for a specific niche and you know a competitor or a parallel industry, and you're just trying to go to the brokers to get that done, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to be more of a portfolio buyer. Right, you're going to have to understand that. Look, I don't care so much about the niche. I have a particular type of site, maybe a monetization I look at, or you know, this has to fit a particular profile, but it can't be around a, a particular niche. If you're trying to do that, it can be really difficult, and you can spend a hell of a lot more time trying to find the deals than it's actually worth once you get it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Fifth point we want to talk about, or fifth place we want to go, is the marketplaces or the aggregators. And I think there's some value here, and I'm going to talk about why. So some of the examples of this would be sites like Biz Buy Sell, which also have a lot of offline businesses, but they have online businesses too. Sites like BizQuest, which is they're related to, to Biz Buy Sell, and then uh, the newer player, Centurica's Market Watch. So what these companies do is they will aggregate from a bunch of different brokers. So in the case of Biz Buy Sell, a lot of online website or online business brokers will also list in addition to listing on their own marketplace or 
on their own site, they'll also list on Biz Buy Sell. So you can search by broker. You can you know see from a bunch of different brokers all the sites they have listed, and you can use a whole bunch of different search parameters to find exactly what you want. Um, you know, the advantages here, I think, are that you get some of the benefits of brokered sites with the added uh, bonus of just having a much wider selection. So MarketWatch, for example, you can go in there and deselect particular brokers. So if I go, uh, I know the way these brokers, these brokers, and these brokers operate, so I'm going to deselect them from the search and just search the rest of the listings. You're going to get a much wider pool than going individually to each and every broker. And so I really like the search functionality. And you can also request contact for specific niches. So the one that I used earlier where someone says, hey, I want any sites you have for sale in this particular niche or industry, you can actually do that with Biz Buy Sell because they're getting so many businesses listed that they may actually, you know, it may take me four years to get the messenger bag e-commerce store. It may take them two months. Uh, so you'll have a better chance of that over at Biz Buy Sell. Some of the disadvantages you know, you, you mentioned this before, is that there's just no vetting of brokers. So if you're unfamiliar, you know, there's really going to be some buyer beware there. And you may not have, you know, because the brokerage industry is just so fragmented, the principles that one broker operates under may not be the same principles as another broker. And so that's problematic. And I think you also have to dig through a lot of the junk to find the gyms in the marketplaces. So in Biz Buy Sell, there's going to be a whole bunch of sites that, you know, either either objectively crap or at least subjectively crap for for the type of business you're looking for. Now, they have search functionality, but, you know, it's still kind of a pain. And you know what I'm talking about, Ace. You've dug through some biz by sell listings. Man. You've, I, you've even got people that, that dig through those for you now. But yeah. it's still a pain, man. It's still a pain. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And what people need to understand is that just nonchalantly poking around at brokerage sites and biz by sell and some of these other resources we've talked about, it can be a waste of time. And so, you know, biz by sell actually did a study where they took people who at the beginning of the year said on a scale of one to 10, they were a nine or 10 that they were going to definitely buy a business that year. By the end of the year, only 5% of people of those folks that said that they were a nine or 10. And a lot of other people said they wanted to buy one, but these people were, were a nine or 10. Only 5% of those actually ended up buying a business. And a lot of it is because people try to shop for a business the way they shop for other things. And it's a very passive process. But this process, if you want it to work, you need to treat it like work, do it efficiently, try to come up with criteria and, and treat it like, hey, I'm going to work right now. I'm going to spend two hours working through these, taking notes, focusing on deals and following up with old deals I looked at and, and really make it a, a, a serious process. It is work. It's not it's not just window shopping. See, because and that's something that I need to keep in mind. Honestly, sometimes I do window shopping. Right. And yeah, I'm sure you do this, too, where sometimes you're just kind of strolling through. I'm not methodically looking. I'm not actually looking to source a deal. I'm just checking out what's out there. Right. And that's cool. Just know that you're not actually looking for a business. When you look for a business, you have to have a particular process that you're using to help qualify or disqualify these sites. And you're you're working, as you said. Right. And I think it's also important to remember, you know, if you're going to spend, you know, 500 hours, right, more than 10 weeks of straight work looking for a business and you end up buying a $20,000, $30,000 site, I don't know if it's worth it. You know what I mean? Like for the value you're going to get out of that, you spent so much time trying to find it that you just, it's overkill. And so you have to keep your ROI on your time 
in mind, both the time you spent sourcing the deals and then the time you spent actually working on them and building them and growing them out. And which, by the way, you know, all professionals, you know, we use all of these different tools, right? Some we use more than others because, you know, of our particular interests or kind of our business needs. But, you know, uh, business pros are, are using all five of these different tools and places that you can go to look for. And the one you use the most is kind of just to depend on the position you're in. So, you know, say your business is going really, really well and you're looking to start, you know, buying up some competitors. You may spend a lot more time looking at your competitors, networking with your competitors so you can figure out if they're at all primed for a sale, if they're at all open to selling to you. Uh, you may be sp spending more of your time in parallel industries because your industry is all messed up and no one talks to each other or whatever. So you may spend more of your time looking at parallel industries and looking at the opportunities there. But So just depending on kind of where your business is at and where you are is kind of going to tell you where you're going to spend more of your time here. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's so funny when you look at how you approach this process, what we tell people, you want to treat it like you're in the business of buying businesses. And so if you're in sales, you want to get as many sources of leads as you possibly can. This is a sales. It's just like sales. It just so happens that your potential leads are not people that are paying you some money. It's, it's potential leads for you to buy something that's going to create income for you. So Treat this process like you're in the business of buying a business, not just poking around. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for listening to The Web Equity Show. Now is your chance to be a part of the action. Go to www.webequityshow.com slash gift and send us your business acquisition or exit question and have it answered on the show. 